Good to be here this morning and certainly good to see the presence of all that are here. As has been said, we welcome the visitors here this morning. If you consider yourself to be such, we want you to know that you're welcome here. We want you to come back every opportunity that you have to be with us. This morning we're going to talk just a few minutes out of the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 specifically. In this Jesus was talking <clears throat> during the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus tries to hit uh, a variety of subjects <clears throat> regarding the way we should live and how we should act and follow God. And then he gets to verse 13 and 14, and I think he specifically narrows it down how to enter the gate or enter the kingdom of heaven as a foretelling of the entrance into the kingdom. And so as Jesus begins uh, or continues this sermon, he makes these statements in verse 13 and 14. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many uh, there be that which go in thereat. And because straight is the gate, it narrows the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now then, as Jesus brings that teaching down to this point, he's telling people that there are only two choices that they can make in regards to entering the kingdom. They have two choices. There's two ways. A lot of times we, we might reference this to the poem that we all know about the fork in the road and taking the path le less traveled and so on. But Jesus is really a little more pointed when he brings this teaching out because he's saying there's two ways and one leads to destruction and one leads to life and you have to make the choice. And so Jesus is telling these disciples, you need to enter in at the straight gate. Now then, we all make choices. Every day we make choices. And I hear sometimes people say, well, why did God leave this so that I have to make this choice? How come he couldn't just make it for me? Well, if, if he wanted a robot, he could have made a robot. And everything that we did was just in accord to his will, but that wouldn't have been a relationship with God. You see, he wants someone to have a relationship with him that he can have communion with, you see, he wants you to love him of your own free will. And so he created you with that free will and a mind and a soul and the breath of life to be able to make decisions that would glorify God. And you make decisions every day. You make a decision whether you want to get up and go to work. You make that decision. That's yours. You make a decision about what you want to eat every day. You have that choice. You have a decision about who you want to be with in life and marry. You have that choice. You have a choice of what car to drive. You have a choice. And we make choices every day. And so when it comes to our eternal salvation, we also have a choice. And we don't need to blame God when we make the wrong choice. Jesus teaches us how to make the right choice. And so we have a choice this morning. As Jesus teaches us to enter the straight gate, he says, one way leads to e eternal destruction and one way leads to eternal life. That's your two choices. And you have to make it. Which way are you going to go? 
Which gate are you going to enter in? And so when we ask that question, we need to study about the gates. We need to talk about what it means to go in at the straight gates. And this decision is so important to your life. It's not just a poem that we've read or a good, uh, you know, fortune out of a fortune cookie. Jesus said there's two choices and you've got to make them. And it's so important. He says this in the very next verse. He says, beware of false prophets which come, um, come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Jesus said there are going to people that be people that try to divert you to the wrong way. They're going to teach you the wrong way so that you make the wrong choice. And he said, you have to know which way to go. You have to understand and study and know so that you can make the right choice. And when these false prophets come along, you'll know which way is the right way. It's that important. <clears throat> now let's talk about a gate. Most of us know what gates are. Gates are barriers. They're used to control the entrance into an area. Most of us may have a gate to our backyard. Some of us may have a wall in the front of our house where we have a gate where people come through. It's a regulating structure. It keeps things out that we don't want in, and it keeps things in that we don't want out, like our dog, see? A gate is a regulating structure. Most of us know what a gate is. We've seen these gates. Maybe you've got a chain link fence gate at your house or a wrought iron gate in the front. Some of us know what cattle gates are. They hold them cattle in there, you see? They don't let them out so that they get in the neighbor's yard or out on the highway. And when Jesus talks about a gate, he's talking about a regulating structure. When we look to enter into the kingdom, there is a regulating structure to entering the kingdom of God. Someone says, well, I thought God wants everybody to be saved and just accept everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. But there's a structure that you have to enter. There is a regulating structure that you have to go through. And Jesus is talking about that structure, and he refers to it as a straight gate. Now then, let's talk about the word straight. A lot of times when we mention that word, we think about the word S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Make sure I got my speller right there. S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. And that's like you draw a chalk line on a board. That's straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. A-I-G-H-T. Or if you get stopped by the police and they make you walk the line, that's a straight line. And a lot of times when we think about this, this passage, we're thinking about, well, I've got to walk the straight and narrow in that if I ever put my foot off of that line, I'm in trouble with God. And that's not what this passage is teaching. You see, the word in this passage is straight as in S-T-R-A-I-T. And it's a different word. And it means a restriction. And just as an example, uh, the Strait of Gibraltar. It used to be a big deal when I was a kid. We'd talk about, I think it was some insurance company that had that as a, a symbol or something. Strait of Anyways, it's a restricted area. If you want to go into the Mediterranean Sea, you have to go through the Strait of Gibraltar between Spain and Morocco. It's a restricted area that you have to sail through in order to get in there. And so when we talk about a straight gate, 
We're talking about a restricted gate. It's a narrow thing. It's something you have to go, go through like a gate, a restricted area. It's not a straight line as we think about it sometimes. It's a different word. It's a restricted gate. Now then, when Jesus was teaching this, I'm sure he had these in mind. These are some gates that uh, in the, are in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the eastern gate, sometimes we talk about when we meet inside the eastern gate. Well, this is the eastern gate of the, the city of Jerusalem. It's blocked in now, so you don't go through it, but notice that if you went in during that time period that it was open, you had to go through this this place. It was a restricted area. There's the lion's gate to the city of Jerusalem. Notice how little it is. If you want to go into that, that wall, into that city, you have to enter that gate, that restricted area. And so when Jesus is teaching this teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, he says you need to enter into that straight gate. There is a restricted area that you must go through in order to have life eternal. It's restricted. You can't just bring everything in. Now then, in Joshua chapter 20, we read about some places called the city of refuge. There were cities that were set up. And if you killed someone, you could flee to these cities of refuge, and there you could reside until the matter was solved. If you came outside the gate, then your blood was on your head. Those that sought revenge could, could kill you. But once you were in that gate, you were in a city of refuge. But you just didn't go and get in of your, just because you wanted in. You would flee to this city, and there you would stop at the gate. Now notice what it says here in verse 4 of Joshua 20. And when he that doth flee unto one of those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of that city... That means you get to the gate, but you got to stop. Then you have to talk to the elders and say and declare his cause to the ears of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into that city or into the city unto them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. You weren't free just to run through the gate just because you had killed someone or you, someone was after you. You had to stop. And you had to talk to these elders, the rulers of the city, and they determined whether you came in or not. Yeah, it was a city of refuge, but there was a gate you had to go through. And there were gatekeepers of that city that kept that gate that you had to go through in order to get through that gate. So when Jesus said this gate is restricted, it's not a new principle. The gate that you have at your home, it's restricted. It's restricted to those that you allow in. Not just to everybody that wants in. This is not a new principle. And he said there be few that find it. This is narrow, this straight and narrow way. He said there are going to be few that find it. Notice in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, there are a lot of people that want to go to heaven. I'm not sure if you took a survey of the people out in this community and you just say, do you want to go to heaven? Most people would say, yes, 
I want to go to heaven. You see, everybody wants to go to heaven, but not everybody wants to enter the straight gate. There are a lot of people that want in just because they want in, and they're not willing to submit to the gatekeeper. They're not willing to enter into that gate. They just want to climb over. They just want somebody to open the gate wide so that they can come in of their own will. But we don't bring the world into the kingdom of God. In John chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and the robber. Now then, you wake up in the middle of the night, and one of your bedroom windows are busted, and there's a prowler or a thief in your house. You're going to say, hey, I'm glad you're here tonight. (laughs) No. You're going to treat him like a thief and a robber. You see, you're going to call the police. You're going to call the authorities. You're going to defend your home and your family against this threat. And Jesus said, those that try to enter the kingdom... Some other way than through him, they're going to be treated like a thief and a robber. They're the same as a thief and a robber, he says. And he's talking about a kingdom. If you try to get into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, some other way, then you're a thief and a robber. Jesus goes on to say in John 10, he says, he said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, what that tells us is he is the gate. He is the door. There is no other way that you can enter in the presence of God without going through Jesus. You can't get there through Buddha. You can't get there through Mohammed. You can't get there through your own, your own will, on your own desires. You're not God enough to get in there by yourself. Jesus said there is no one that comes to the Father but by me. He said, I am the door. Now, what does that mean? To come to the Father but by me. Well, if you knocked on my door and you said, I want the goods that are in your home. I want, to, I want the blessings in your home and I'm going to come in and take it. And I said, you got to come through me before that happens. What does that mean? That means you have to deal with me before you can get in the house. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm the door. I'm standing here. You want to come to the Father? You got to come through me. You got to deal with Jesus. There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He said in Matthew uh, chapter 28, I have all power. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus stands at the door with all the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and you have to deal with Jesus in order to see God the Father, to be in his presence. Now, he said there's a wide gate, a gate that's open to the full extent. There is no restriction. And someone says, well, that's the gate I want to go through. Think about uh, Wonderland out here. And I know you buy a ticket and you go through the little gate. And What if somebody went over and cut the fence and opened up about a 50-yard 
area, you think people would just go in single file? Well, they'd just get in their mind, hey, they're letting us in for free. And they would just run in by the mobs, wouldn't they? There would be no control. There would be chaos and anarchy. In Proverbs 17, verse 19, it says, He, that, he loveth transgression that loveth strife. And he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. Now then, I believe that he's talking about a person that doesn't control himself. In other words, you, you're angry, and you control that anger, and you control that anger, and finally you just open the gate, and you let it all out, and it hurts people. And you hurt yourself, you see. That anger causes destruction in your life. When you lift your gate, that's what exalting your gate means. But the principle's true on anything. If Wonderland opened their gates, if they just opened them up to everybody, there would be chaos and no one would pay to get in and they would soon shut the doors and say, we can't, we can't function anymore. You see, those that exalt their gate seek destruction. And so this principle is true, and Jesus is trying to teach us if we want to get into the kingdom of heaven, if we want to be in the presence of God, we must go through the narrow gate, the straight gate, and walk on that narrow way. But when you lift the gates, there's chaos and anarchy. Why is, it e why is the gate easier to enter? Because there's no boundaries or rules. When you talk to people about serving God, that's one of the first things that comes up. But I have to quit doing this. I have to stop doing this. Because they understand that when we serve Jesus and we enter the kingdom, we have to change. We have to transform our lives into something better. And so people want a gate that's out wide open. There is no boundaries or rules. I want to do what I want to do. And so I can, if I want to, Curse, I can curse. If I want to go out and party, I can go out and party. I can do all kinds of immorality. And you see, that's the gate the world looks for. They're looking for a place they can enter without changing. They're looking for a place they don't have to, they don't have to stand in line and enter this little gate. Maybe they have to take off their backpack or leave some of the luggage of their life behind because it won't fit in there. We're looking for the easy way to get in towards God. And God says, you can't, there is not an easy way. There's a straight gate. And then there's this wide gate, and people are hunting for the wide gate. They see the straight gate and go, no, I'm, I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep moving. You see, there's no boundaries on the broad way. This wide gate leads to an open area, and there's just no boundaries. And when you exalt the gate, there's chaos and anarchy. This is what happens. Hordes of people just doing what they want to do, hurting others, throwing smoke bombs, trash everywhere. When you open the gate, there's just chaos. And in the kingdom of God, there's not chaos. In the kingdom of God... There's peace. In the kingdom of God, there's structure. In the kingdom of God, there's forgiveness. And Jesus said, you need to enter that straight gate. Not the wide gate. 
And don't walk the broad way. The broad way means it's wide. It's just everybody can travel down there with no restrictions. In Ephesians 4, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now then, he says, I don't want you as a child of God to walk like the rest of the world. During the time of Jesus, there were Gentiles and then there were Jews. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. And Gentiles lived in pagan lifestyles. They worshipped idols. They did whatever they wanted to do. And the Word of God says, don't live like the rest of the world. Don't live like the rest of the world in the vanity of their mind. That means their thinking is vain. It's of no use. It's foolishness. Their mind is wasted. Their thinking is not... Is, uh, has no meaning. It's chaos. That's why there's chaos in the world today is because the world will tell you, well, this is okay to do over here. And then they turn around and say, this is okay to do over here. And they contradict each other. That's the way the world thinks. We want a morality that helps people over here, but over here we want a law that, that kills babies. That's chaos. There is no consistency of morality there. That's vanity of their mind. That's the Gentiles. Their understanding is darkened. They really don't have comprehension of what's right and wrong. Because their judgment is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God and his ways of doing things. I studied with a couple here a while back. We were talking about marriage and getting married and, and talking about shacking up as sin. You know, it's fornication, having this relationship outside of marriage. And we've been studying a while, and all of a sudden, one day, it was like a light bulb come on, on in their head. You know, it's just like, you mean to tell me that we're living in sin? I wanted to say it finally hit. <laughs> the Word of God says yes. Because God wants you to have a better relationship. God wants you to have a blessed relationship. He doesn't want you to have chaos in your life and not knowing the other party in your relationship and what they're going to do and worrying about them. He wants you to have a relationship where there's peace in this marriage relationship. You see, in the world there's chaos. And we didn't learn that from God. We didn't learn chaos from Him. It says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all in cleanness with greediness. But you have not learned Christ, or so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus teaches us a better way.
He teaches us a life of peace and harmony and godliness. And if we're living in an ungodly way, we didn't learn that from Jesus. We learned that from the world. That's the broad way. Just do what, I, what feels good and do it. Do what I want to do in the vanity of my mind. I, I make myself God. It says when we do that, we get to a point where we're past feeling. Our conscience is seared. We're past caring anymore. We don't have compassion for other people anymore. All we think about is ourselves. What I want, and I want it right now, and I don't care who it hurts or what problems it causes. That's the broad way. That's the way the world walks. But Jesus wants us to walk the narrow way. That means there are some boundaries. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, he that, he, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself so also to walk even as he walked. What does that tell us? There are boundaries. If I claim to be a child of God, if I claim to be one who follows Jesus, then I need to walk like Jesus. I need to talk like Jesus. I need to think like Jesus. If I claim that I am abiding in Jesus, I need to walk like Jesus. That means there are some restrictions in my life. There are some boundaries that I have to, that I have to follow. And someone says, but I don't like boundaries. I don't like to be hemmed in. You know, it's just, it's just Jesus trying to, to, to cause us trouble in our life. No, it's Jesus wanting you to have a better life. Every day we follow boundaries. I remember when I learned to drive. You know what my, my dad told me? You got to keep it between the lines. <laughs> you got to keep it between the lines. You know how hard that was? I'm telling you what, when I was first learning, it was hard to do. I thought, man, if them lines weren't there, I'd be all right. I'd wobble over here and then wobble over here. And you know, after a while, I'd just drive between those lines. And you know what? Today, those lines are still there, but I don't really see them. I guess I see them, but I, I really don't see them. Think about the last time you just thought about those lines. Those of you been dri driving a long time. Fortunately, there's times when I've been driving a long distance. I don't remember cities that I went through. But you know, we don't pay attention to those lines. After we learn to drive, those lines are there. There are boundaries that we're to stay between, but we don't think about those lines because we follow the, the rules. We have learned to do that. It's not a big deal anymore. And when Jesus says, I want you to live a certain way, we think, well, those are, boundaries are just there to cause me trouble and it's just so oppressive. And I want you to know once you start living your life between the lines, it'll be a piece of cake. Think of the chaos that would be in this world if everybody didn't drive in the lines. I've been to Nigeria. I can tell you there's chaos. There's no lines. 
There's no red lights or stop lights. It's chaos. But we have peace when we drive because there's lines, there's boundaries, and we follow those, those lines and boundaries, and we don't think they're oppressive. We get in our car and come to church this morning. You didn't think about the lines that are on the street. But those were boundaries. Now, Jesus has boundaries for us. He says, live this way. Live in this righteous way. And once you begin to do that and you get your, your, your feet under you and you begin to live in that way, there's peace and there's, and, and there's no chaos. It's a good life to live in the boundaries. You see, the boundaries were given us to have a good life, have peace in our life. And if we're going to claim to be a child of God, we have to walk as he walked. Now then, I want you to think about something. <clears throat> Saul of Tarsus, who was known after his conversion as the Apostle Paul. But I want us to go back before Saul was converted. And think about what Saul did. Notice here in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, not on the way, but of this way. What is he talking about? He's talking about Christians. He's talking about people who walked after a certain way. That their life was living like a Christian. Following this man, Jesus. And he says, if I found any of them that are walking this way or in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Well, why, why did he want to bind them and bring them to Jerusalem? As he later explains, he said, I persecuted this way unto death. I was going to bring them back and persecute them. Put them to death because they followed this Jesus. And I persecuted this way, the following of Jesus, unto death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest of bear me witness and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. He was going to punish them. Because they were walking in the way. Their life was a life following Jesus. I want to ask you a question. If Saul came to Amarillo today, or where we live today, to hunt down Christians and to punish them, would he pass you by? Or would he say, there's a Christian I need to persecute them. That's kind of backward thinking, but it's true. Would he look at you and say, there's a Christian. There's a follower of Jesus because they're walking in that way. They're acting like this man, Jesus. They're talking like this man, Jesus. They're living a godly life like this man, Jesus. And would he handcuff you and take you back to Jerusalem to punish you? Or would he look at your life and go, eh, they're just another person in the world. They live like everybody else does. 
I'm not going to bother them. If he would have passed you by, you need to change. You need to change your life to act more like a Christian. You need to walk in the way of Jesus Christ. Now then, Jesus finishes his Sermon on the Mount, or at least this portion of this Mount, and he, in Luke, in Luke's account, he makes this statement. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. Shall not be able. In Luke's account, when he finishes talking about your choice of a straight gate or a wide gate, one leading to life eternal and one leading to destruction, he says, you have to make the decision. You have to strive to enter into that gate. You see, Jesus has done all he can do. He died on the cross and shed his blood so that you can have forgiveness of sin, you have the choice of accepting it. He lived on this world 30 some odd years. And he left us writings in the word of God and teachings on how to live in this narrow way or the way that Paul sought to persecute. To teach us how to live. You see, Jesus has done everything that he can. But you have to strive to enter. That means the effort is on your part. You have to seek that narrow gate. The straight gate is a gate that you cannot bring everything that you own into. You need to leave some baggage behind. You see, you cannot enter the straight gate with your sins. You have to leave them outside. When we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we put on Christ. And we enter into that straight gate or that kingdom. And you know what we leave outside? We leave the guilt of our sin. He washes us clean. You can't go into the kingdom with all of your past sins. you got to leave them out. And so that's why it's important that we obey Christ in baptism. That's where he applies our blood and makes us new and says, come into the kingdom. Come into that gate. We're cleansed of that sin when we enter in. We need to leave the world behind. We need to change. We need to repent. All of the things that we walked in and the evil ways, the cursings and the foul language and the lying and the cheating and all of that stuff needs to be left outside. The sins, the sexual sins, we need to leave them behind. We need to change. In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So not only must we obey him in baptism, but we must be transformed by learning of Christ and transform into this way, walking like Jesus. But it comes down to you. You have to make the decision. 
Jesus said, strive, make the effort to enter into that gate. Yes, the broad way is easy. That wide gate stands open and people of the world are saying, come on in. This is okay. We'll all go to heaven this way. And Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but by me. So this morning, will you enter the straight gate through Jesus Christ and being baptized with him and be transformed by learning of his way and all the things that he has commanded us until we are walking in that way just like we drive that car down the highway and we, we are glad for the peace. If you're subject to that gospel call this morning, come as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.